Naima, you were a child. Where was your protection? Hey, this is Chantel. And this is Naima. And welcome back to another episode of Season of Singleness with Chantel and Naima. So, guys, today we're going to talk about just kind of the current climate that's going on um, in the media, in this country, regarding sexual assault and the coverage in the media. And me and Chantel were talking recently just about, like, how we were triggered by a lot of the things that are going on. So, that's kind of really um, what we want to talk about. We want to share, you know, our thoughts, feelings, and opinions. When I think about like everything that's going on, I definitely have been extremely triggered. Um, I was sexually assaulted twice. So the first time I was either 14 or 15, I can't remember the exact age, so like contrary to popular popular belief or like how like those senators were saying in the hearing, you know, you you don't always remember the exact timeline when things happen. I was between 14 and 15. And it was by a male that I had just met the same day. Um, So I reported it the next day because at that time in my life, I was still idealistic about how I viewed the world. You know, if someone rapes you, you're supposed to tell, right? (laughs) So um, at the time, I lived in South Orange, New Jersey. And it it was really refreshing because their police department was amazing. But because the assault occurred in Newark, I had to deal with the Newark Police Department. And from jump, (laughs) I understood exactly why people do not report things like this. They completely mishandled me, especially considering the fact that I was only 14 or 15 years old. And this person was a grown-ass man. So, I, I don't know, The situation was really crazy because I was repeatedly questioned as if somehow all of this was my fault. It's like they were trying to justify his behavior instead of supporting me. They even tried to insinuate, like, I guess I was like the angry black woman, like me and him were dating and I was trying to like get back at him, which again was crazy because now you're dismissing the fact that again, I'm a child and this is a grown ass man, right? So... Um, I remember them throwing, like, photographs at me and saying, like, oh, identify who he is. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but even me now at this age, like, me and facial recognition is not a thing. Like, I could just see you. They could be like, oh, what did you have on? They could even ask me to describe somebody that I know and see every day, and I would not be able to do it. Like, I'm really horrible with stuff like that. And then also, we all know, like, people could look completely different in pictures than they do in real life. Right, so they wanted me to identify him. Mind you, the assault happened at nighttime in a dark car, and so I was supposed to be like, Oh, that is him. And at that age, like, I was really confused. Like, I, I was looking at those pictures, and I was like, I, I, I really wasn't sure, and I didn't want to just lie and say, Oh, this is the person. And so, because of that, it was just like, Oh, well, we can't really help you. Despite the fact that I was able to tell them where he lived at, I was able to tell them what car he had, um, they so they had the records of us paging each other, so it wasn't like it was just some random person, like, we, we had been paging each other because, like, we met that day, 
and I knew his name, and what? none of that mattered. Like, nothing was ever done. Like, sometimes, like, especially lately, I guess, as I've been, like, just really working on myself and kind of clearing a lot of, like, the negative energy surrounding that, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of, like, mm, like, I wonder, like, if I went to the police station, like, would they still have the records? Like, I wonder, like, I just, I, I really wonder how they packaged that whole case because, like, nothing was ever done, um, and there was no support given, and I never got the justice for it, ever. So... You know, there was no closure. Um, I was basically dismissed just as like they showed, you know, Dr. Ford in the hearings, like how she was dismissed because people wanted to believe otherwise. Yeah. Just like the countless other of women who are nameless, who are not gonna be on national TV sharing their stories. It's so crazy because, um, like, I was looking up the statistics, the statistics, and they were saying that one in five women have been raped. But I mean, if we're honest, come on, like, there are so many women who do not report these assaults. They don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm sorry to cut you off. The statistics show that one in five are the one that um, reports it, and then it's five other. It's like for every one incident that's reported, you got five to ten other incidents that never have been seen or told about. Some people have been violated repeatedly. And they're not seeing anything. Mm-mm. And um, you do see like a, a influx of people like speaking up and you have to take into account to all these people who like that, you know, why I never told hashtag like all those people again, remember, are people who never said anything. So it's like they're yeah. not even counted in that statistic. So, like, this is really an epidemic happening. This isn't, you know, just a one-off and it's just like, oh, you know, it's just her because something's wrong with her or she caused it. Like, this is a real issue that affects most women, whether they talk about it or not. So, I mean, and it's like, to be honest, like, you know, I'm not that idealistic little girl anymore and I'm... I'm not surprised at all that, you know, we live in a country that would entertain confirming Kavanaugh. I mean, this is really like the legacy that this country has been built on, you know. It, yes, it has been. This isn't a surprise to me. I'm not like shocked. But, you know, I think about those people who still try to maintain that idealistic view. And when they see things like this, you know, when we have a president in office who, you know, has been accused repeatedly of um, sexual deviancy, and we have like all a, I mean, a slew of people in power, both famous and non-famous people who do these things, um, and then the media is showing how, in essence, it's being shown to be okay. It's basically a reminder to all the people who are experiencing things for them to shut their mouth. True. And it's like when you really look around to see that, um, you know, when you look around and you see that they get away with this stuff, you're like, oh, wait, this really doesn't matter. It doesn't. So, again, when I was in college and I had another experience with another grown-ass man and he decided to take ownership over me, I was only able to tell one person and I remember, I mean, she was like, so ride or die. She was like, you know, what, what do you want to do? I can call my brothers. We can go to the police. Like, what do you want to do? And 
you know, I said nothing because I had learned that saying something meant absolutely nothing. And I think what people don't realize is that the way that you are handled after trauma can be even more traumatizing than the actual event itself. So for people like me and you, like, I mean, look, Dr. Ford is a white educated woman in this country and they are basically like, uh, that does not matter. So imagine having to deal with such disregard as a woman and being black in this country. And so I was like looking into like just how different viewpoints on this. And I stumbled um, across a quote by Dr. Maya Angelou and it really single-handedly described like this experience. So this is the quote. So she says the black female is assaulted in her tender years by all those common forces of nature. At the same time, she is caught in the tripartite, and I might be saying that wrong, crossfire of masculine prejudice while illogical hate and black lack of I'm sorry, white illogical hate and black lack of power. The fact that the adult American Negro female emerges a formidable character is often met with amazement, distaste, and even belligerence. It is seldom accepted as an inevitable outcome of the struggle won by survivors and deserves respect, if not enthusiastic admiration. And so... I'm reading that and I'm just like, wow, because we as black women, we are, we're assaulted from so many angles that even for me, it's very difficult most times to wrap my mind around how to deal with everything that's going on. Yes, we are affected by the Kavanaugh's and the Weinstein's and the Cosby's and the regular um, neighborhood guy, you know, by people in our family, by um, teachers, by people that we're supposed to trust. But then we're also affected by the murder and the complete disregard for our black lives. And so it's so crazy because it's like, in essence, we as black women are in a constant state of post-traumatic stress. Yes, we are. And everything, like, we're being triggered like landmines every time the media, every time the world makes it very clear to us that our bodies, our stories, and our experiences do not matter. It is crazy. It is crazy. And it's it's not even, it's a psychosis and a lunatic behavior. And if, you know, for my mental health people, if we went to the DSM, everyone would, everybody would need drugs because they're all freaking crazy. And they adhere to this idea that it's right. It's real. So how has this kind of affected you? Like, how has this triggered you? Um, within the media lately, um, I've been triggered in my past, you know, like you, I have been sexually assaulted. Um, and you know, before I go any further, thank you, Naima, for having the courage to share, um, your story. Um, because a lot of times we are not given the platform to share our story and to, you know, say, you know, this happened to me too. And like you said, it's more common than we like to admit you know, um, a lot of times we use sexual assault as someone pinning you down. Where in reality, it's like a spectrum of behaviors that include and lead up to violent acts. 
because with each um, act and nobody stops and says that's wrong, oh, I can push it a little further. Mm -hmm. I can push it a little further. Until it gets to that point. Yes. Um, With the conviction of um, Bill Cosby and the review of our Supreme Court justice, I don't even want to say his name, to be honest with you, because white men our country has displayed over and over and over again, regardless of the color. If you are a woman and you are sexually assaulted, you will get away with it. And there's no one here to punish you or make you engage in the justice system, especially if you have connections and money. Mm-hmm. That trumps everything. Yeah, that's, that's money and connection. Is it, That's it. Um, it just demonstrates it will be tolerated and it will be supported within the court of law which is a place um, that was put there to serve and protect us because they knew people would take this power and they would go to their head. Yeah. You know? But the people, but the people, yeah, the people who are supposed to serve and protect us, they're the main main ones that are behaving in this way. Um, it has triggered me to identify as a black woman that when these heinous acts are committed against me, who is here to protect me? Mm-hmm. Who is um, there to be accountable for the behavior that just happened? Um, it makes me angry and it makes me furious. Um, it makes me also conscious because I have to raise a child that is a man in this climate um, where this behavior has to be identified and addressed immediately. Um you know, he's he's at an age where he's learning boundaries of other people. And I have to say that, teach him, when someone says no, you have to respect their no. You may not like it, but you have to respect it. Because when you say no, you want someone to respect that no, too. Yeah, we're, we're basically responsible for raising our young boys who are going to be men to... One, you know, like you said, respect those boundaries, but then we also have to teach them um, and educate them about people that try to cross those boundaries with them. So it's like a double whammy. It is. Um, Like you said before, you know, I think I'm always triggered. You know, like I always think I am at post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm always vigilant. And, you know, at night in my bed, maybe that's the moment that I can take a breath because I know there's no one there hurting me. Um, I think I'm always triggered to a degree um, based on the movies, uh, media, the music that we listen to, the culture that we are part of. You know, when you make that quote and you said a woman is at a tender age. So by the time I get to my period, I'm already looking, people are already looking at me as if I am a piece of meat that they can do whatever they want to. Because we we're teaching because like you said too with, with the media, like how they say like the whole rape culture thing. Like we're teaching our young boys that it's okay. And I'm not even gonna just isolate young boys and then young girls because you have male and female predators, and we're yes. we're teaching people in general that it's okay to behave in this way. It is. It's okay. And you're, and the sad part about it, we're teaching them, you know, when we look at these white men, you're entitled to do this to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm going way left with this. 
if I meet you in a dark alley and I shoot your brains off, I'm going to jail for six million years. Yeah, because the narrative is that no one will believe me anyway. You know, the burden of proof will be on you. And then they'll just have a whole, you know, thing of, oh, no, he was such a great person. He was amazing, you know, and then what? Then what? You're right, then what? Um, you know, addressing that in the media, how do you think people can be supportive um, of people coming out and of the survivors during this time while all these things are triggering us? Well, I really think, like, the Me Too and the Why I Didn't Tell hashtags are amazing because I really feel like it creates a community of survivors. Um, and it helps to reconcile, like, it helps the survivors reconcile the fact that they aren't alone, that it's not their fault. Um, there is no need to be ashamed because I know that shame was, you know, I was ashamed for a very long time. And also that there is healing on the other side. I really think that the treatment of people after an assault is extremely crucial. You know, for myself, when I recount what happened to me, and I don't know if this is anybody else, but I know for myself, I more so feel the pain point around the lack of support that I received. You know, look, people do not deserve to be traumatized after trauma. And so, like, this kind of idea that you need to bombard a survivor with all these questions that just stir up guilt and blaming themselves is not going to help anyone. I really feel like post-trauma is a time for reassurance. It's a time for the survivor to be heard and a time for you, the supporter, to be able to listen to what she or he needs because everyone is different. It's not a one-size-fits-all. I remember Years ago, I had did rape advocacy training, and, you know, it was amazing, but then you also have to realize, too, like, this isn't going to be for everybody because everybody reacts to different things differently, and so you have to make sure that you're in touch with what the survivor needs, the type of comfort that they need. Um, I also, I mean, really just basic human decency. Like, I feel like we need to start treating people how we would want to be treated. You don't have to have gone through the same situation in order to have empathy for another human being. You know, how would you want to be, if something bad like this happened to you, when you want to be supported, you want to be believed, you want to be reassured, you know, provide resources. Therapy is amazing. If you find the right fit, of course, and I think, you know, therapy can really just be a good place to have that dialogue and to, you know, feel safe in expressing what you're really feeling. Um, I also really think that it's important to start a healthy narration of the story surrounding the trauma from the beginning. Because when I say that, I mean, like, when when this happened to me, I used to blame myself a lot. So that was a story I was carrying around with myself from 14, 15, throughout actually to my 30s I was carrying around that and sometimes we don't even realize we're carrying around certain stories it just kind of embedded embedded in us and so we're just acting off of that story but we don't recognize that it's there we don't recognize where the story even came from so I think it's important um for us to from gate to have someone to to stop us from kind of creating this narration that blames ourselves 
it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't until I was an adult and I was in therapy and, I mean, it was really simple. She was just like, you know, Naima, you were a child. Where was your protection? That's right. <laughs> and it was such a simple statement, such a simple question that literally kind of just flipped everything around like instantly it was like wait a minute I can let this go and so most times healing can come in the form of just choosing to have a different narrative and then I mean I think lastly like I feel like as survivors especially black women survivors I think it's important to cultivate your mental health um, because that's super important we can really get to some dark places if we don't take care of that Like, like again you know therapy and just protecting your space. I think it's important to have positive support system and, you know, to take that time for self-care and healing. Because Chantel, like, you know, like this is <laughs> this is a crazy time and especially as black women, you know, it, it is a war going on against us from so many different sides. And I feel yes. like if we learn who we are as black women, like not who the media is telling us we are, not who they tell us we are, we, you know, in the traditional history classes. But if we really learn who we are as black women through the lens of God, and if we pull on our strength from God, you know, that I feel like will be our armor and our ultimate comfort. That's so important. I mean, you know, a lot of times people, they discount that. But it's like, no, I'm not a person who just feels like, oh, my God, you just got to go and pray about it. Yes, pray about it and then do the work. Pray about it and get help. Pray about it, go to therapy. Pray about it. Check those hormonal levels and, and see if you're depressed. See what's going on there. You know, pray about it and do the work. That's right. But you can't leave God out of it. Mm-mm. He, it, God has to be present, you know, because he is, you know, we were having a conversation over the weekend and sometimes bad, we think bad things are happening to hurt us when bad things are unfolding to bring something better to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, for me, how can people be supportive um, during this time? We need support because I don't want this behavior rampant in the next generation. Yeah. And I don't want it to be okay in the culture. And, you know, the mere fact that we have rappers continue to rap and people buy their albums that's a problem to me and we have to be aware of that too because I think it's really easy to like you know hear a dope beat come on and you're like yeah and then like you're like wait a minute oh my god that's what they're saying like so it's like yeah we as a woman we need to really be cognizant of that um the me too and why I tell um hashtags and movements on Twitters, they are very good starters because um, they let other people know that you've been through the situation. And a lot of times when we talk about shame, and we've said it repeatedly, shame lives in secrecy. Um, it, it, it is bred, it is, it is uprooted, and a lot of times this shame keeps us locked in when all we have to do is say something. And when we say something, now we start connecting the dots and realize there's a community out there of support that can help us. And we also have to have the spirit of discernment um, when we come into contact with people because sometimes 
there are people out there that are contrary and they don't want to believe and they want to hold on to their idealistic views. We, and we got to be able to discern whether or not those people are going to help us. Um, people can be supportive of the survivor um, to encourage to report the incident and report the incident and having procedures in way in place um, that allows them to recant what happened and to have something happen. Because like before we stated, statistics show that this behavior has been committed four or five other times before it's actually brought, brought to the police. Yeah. And then also, too, to be supportive if a person chooses not to. Yes. Yes. Um, women should support one another when addressing this issue. Stay away from judgment and shaming one another about who has a different incident. This hurt me more. My shame is bigger than yours. No. Everybody's story needs to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. When you shine your light, Naima, it gives me permission to shine my light, and it gives other people permission to shine their light, too. Um, I believe in therapy, support groups, and especially learning to self-cope. Because sometimes on this journey, no one can walk with you. You know, you're stuck in your own thoughts, and you have to have God and the narrative, like you said. Where was your protection? You were a child. That gives us that... <laughs> I don't need to be so hard on myself. Yeah, because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you were wearing. It doesn't matter why you were there. It doesn't matter that, oh, you were flirting. Or it doesn't matter, oh, because you were looking this type of way. Or or you your past behavior was this. Like, none of that matters when somebody chooses to basically take the ownership of your body. We should be vigilant over one another for support on the mental health aspect. Um, part of our emotions because not all trauma ends at physical um, at times the mental scars are a lot longer and they seep into a lot of different areas in our lives that we don't even realize um, but I do want to say to um, our listeners and women who have um, been through trauma and also to myself and you um, i want all of you to know that have been through that. You are not dirty. You are not worthless. You are not disgusting, um, repulsive. The person who did this to you is the person who has the issues, not you. It should never be used as a thermometer or a self-worthiness or diminishment of you as a person. Okay? Um, it's just like when we scrape our knees. Sometimes we hurt ourselves and the, the cut is deep. We have to clean the cut out. That doesn't mean that we throw our knee away. No, we don't. Um, you are worthy of all the good and the glories and the healing. And please never forget you are valuable, sacred, and holy. Yeah. And that's and that's the truth. Like you're you, you were whole before then, you're whole now. Yes. Um, this is just this is a part of your story, but it, it doesn't define who you are. No. It does not define who you are. It does not make you any less of a person. Um, and it does not make anybody any more because sometimes in the shaming, people that that's never happened to or they don't want to admit, they like to hold that over your head. Yeah. 
So, no more. No more. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram at SOS Radio Show or email us at chat at SOS Radio Show.com. See, See you, you next week.